Kelly and Dorothy, welcome to Conversations with CEOs. And you are currently the Chief Administrative Officer at Mr. Cooper. And I heard this said, this was a this was a tweet to say Kelly Ann has a natural ability to bring teams and people together to drive change and propel our culture forward. That was Mr. Cooper Group Inc. That was a statement made about you. So Kelly, yeah. thank you for coming on this conversations with CEOs. And as we start off, let's bring it back to before you were a high level yeah. exec, those early day jobs in high school, college. Can you give us some yeah. uh, some of those and talk about them a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, David, thank you so much for having me today. It's a real pleasure to talk to you about all things culture. Uh, I think to really capture what my career has been like, I got to go back to the fourth grade when I signed up for my first speaking competition. Um, and I like to start there because that is where I found my love for communication and engaging with people and inspiring people. And uh, I, I started doing those speaking contests and continue to work on that craft um, over time. Spent a lot of time at debate camps in high school, not typically where people spend their time. Um, and all that to say, I was a pretty serious child. So when you ask about my first uh, fun jobs, my first real job in high school was actually working for a law firm. And it was a guy who was running my mock trial group. He offered me a job to basically go run errands for him. And so that's what I did. And it was because I was hungry to take any opportunity I could to experience an office uh, that was in a field that I thought might be of interest to me. Uh, I quickly learned that the law was not for me. Um, it's actually a lot more boring than the television dramas will make you think. So I pivoted quickly and because I love talking, thought obviously reporting was gonna be my next career step. So all through college, I did a lot of broadcast news internships. I do have a resume tape that um, is buried somewhere where nobody can find it because I would hate for that to see the light of day. It wasn't my best work, uh, but I really enjoyed those experiences, um, in particular at some of our local, local channels here in Dallas. I worked for an investigative reporter named Brett Ship, and he would have me in these ride-alongs um, for some crazy stories. There was one day where a guy came busting out of a double wide with a shotgun, and we had to split out of there. That's a story for a different day. But I really enjoyed um, the storytelling aspect of that work. And it was in one of those internships that uh, I was looking to find my first real job, um, a job that would pay me. It was at the CVS Washington, D.C. Bureau. And I was interning in the political unit at the time. And my boss there said, you know, you're from Texas. Your family's in Texas. There's this guy I think that you should try to meet. He runs a big PR firm there, also does some political work. His name is Mark McKinnon. Uh, just email him and see if he'll sit down and meet with you. And I knew of Mark McKinnon because I'd studied politics. He did a lot of advertising work for some pretty big Texas names, um, everyone from Ann Richards, the former governor, to then President George W. Bush. And so he had worked on both sides of the aisle. I um, thought he was a fascinating person, so I just randomly emailed him one day, and much to my surprise, he agreed to sit down and talk to me. So I met for coffee with him and um, immediately uh, felt like this was somebody that I would love to work for if I had the privilege. And there's a lot of things that I learned from Mark 
that um, I take with me to this day. But the first thing that he did for me in that moment was say, I want you to email me once a week until you get a job. He wasn't promising me a job, uh, but he was saying that he wanted to help me find one. And I, I emailed him every week for about three months. And wow. during that period of time, there would be moments where he wouldn't email me back. And he warned me about that um, ahead of time. And what I loved so much about that was the license that he was giving me to be persistent. And it's, I think, yeah. something that young people have a really hard time with early in their careers is not wanting to bother somebody, not wanting to, to push yeah. too hard. But because of his permission, I pushed. Um, and I now make sure to give others permission to do that to me. A, but B, I've learned a lot about how to continue pushing um, in those types of situations. So he became quickly because, yeah, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think that the, the persistence with patience, like that combination yeah. of being persistent, yeah. not in a way of overbearing, but also, you know, yeah. being patient with it. You know, your time's coming and he, yeah. gave, he gave you that ability to do so. Yeah. He also gave you the ability to hold yourself accountable. I think accountability mm -hmm. right now and, and this day and age is something that we lack, but he gave you this, hey, I might not respond all the time, but you're gonna hold yourself accountable and you need to do this. Why do we give gifts? It's a very valid question as the holiday season is in full swing and you're thinking about, oh, what can I get for my brother, my coworker, my spouse? Why do we give gifts? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. It's because we want the other people that we're getting those gifts for to know how much we care about them. I'm gonna tell you what my go-to gift for this holiday season is and will be continuing going forward is the gift of Maui venison. Like I love Maui venison. I love how healthy it is, how lean it is. I love the taste of it. I love the mission that Maui venison is on helping rebuild the Maui community. And, and so many philanthropical things that they're doing. It's just a uh, it's a really cool company to get behind. And I'm big on, you know, supporting companies that uh, have, a, have a bigger mission than just the bottom line or the product that they're selling. Products and, and everything, that, that's, that comes and goes. But long-term missions, that's, uh, that's a legacy lever. And Maui Venison, oh, yeah. If you're into health, which I hope you are. If you're into taste, which I also hope you are. Maui Venison is a great, great gift. So... Encourage you to check it out. Try it for yourself. Send it to some friends. And if you like it, you know, just, uh, yeah, let me know. There's a, a code NURSE. So if you enter the code NURSE at MauiVenison.com, code NURSE will get you 20% off. Have a happy holidays and uh, eat some burgers. I, I want to touch on a point that I think is, is very important as you are. You've been a chief people officer everywhere that I've searched and researched about you. Mm -hmm. This comes up about people, people, people in mm -hmm. people relationships or everything. You said storytelling was a really big part of your yeah. background and you were just uh, enthralled in it all. Can you talk about how important storytelling is with leadership and overall company culture? Right. Uh, so I, I love the concept of storytelling as a part of culture work, because I think that that's the missing piece that companies often look past. And 
it's because I believe the winning formula for a great culture is one in which you listen uh, to what your team members want. You understand um, what it is that they're saying and what it is that they want or, or think they need to experience to make their culture great. You need to act on what it is that they're saying, and then you need to tell them about it. You need to say, I heard you, and this is what we're doing about it, and the improvements we're making are because of you. Um, and that is a, a part of storytelling that, like I said, I think a lot of companies miss out on when they're trying to build culture. It's that final component, but one of the most powerful ones. I also think that just from a leadership perspective, storytelling is a way of bringing to life um, and making real um, the things that you want to see people activate around. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, when you're trying to inspire action or, or encourage even people to work the extra 15% to get something done, they need to understand the why. And that why comes in the story that you're telling. It comes in what, what, it, what it's doing for the business, what it's doing for your customers, and what it's doing for them. And if you can't articulate that to a group of people, you're going to have a really hard time getting that extra 15%, that extra 20% out of them. Yeah, you know what? I, I, can you keep going on the culture? You said the the, yeah. the basically the success metrics that you see in a culture. I I, I think yeah. it's it's such a term that gets thrown around, and yeah. not everybody does it the same way. There's not. I don't think there's one right. formula for a great culture, but there's patterns that you see. Right. And I mean, you, you're you're touching on that, but keep going even more in depth on yeah. patterns yeah. that you have seen that make great cultures. Yeah. Well, I, I touched on one of them at the beginning, and that's um, that really it's about leading people from the ground up and not the top down. And I think yeah. that that's the foundation. Yeah. Don't so, want that. Really want, yeah, yeah, hammer in on that. Yeah. I think it's really important. Yeah. So w when you're talking about leading, a lot of times culture gets set. It's a tone at the top. And, and, and I agree with that. You have to set the tone at the top. But I think the leaders that are most successful in evolving culture are the ones that are setting the tone based on what the entry level person is experiencing um, every single day. Because um, the C-suite, while driving that tone, also has a very specific experience. My experience, however, is different than the call center person's experience. And, and I don't want to set a culture or set benefits that speak only to me. I want them to speak to everybody. And so by focusing on where you start your culture work, um, and you start it where your average employee is experiencing it, you're going to find the gains happen so much faster. So you set the tone at the top, but that tone really does come from the ground up. And I believe that that's the foundation. And then from there, it really is as simple as the way that you create any other excellent relationship. Uh, there's, um, and you know this from just having a healthy marriage, you have to listen to each other. <laughs> you have to act on the feedback that you're giving to each other. Um, and then you have to continue to have that ongoing communication. But the other fundamental piece that, again, I believe is missing from a lot of um, a good organizations, but maybe not amazing cultures, is trust. Yeah. You, have to, you have to trust your team members. And trust is a two-way street. Again, like any great relationship. You want your team members to trust you as leaders to make good decisions for the business and for them. But in order to get the trust coming back from them, you have to show them some of that trust in return. And I, I personally think that that's where a lot of organizations are going wrong as we think about how we're reimagining work, work coming out of the pandemic too. You know what? I think that is probably the most important aspect trait for a company yeah. for a relationship is literally it's unshakable trust that you have. It's, yeah. it's the... 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's really the difference. And I know it's a cliche thing to say, but like people don't care about you until they know how much you care about yeah. them and showing right. everybody at every level. And it's it's funny because people like when people talk about sports teams and companies and cultures, yeah. they're so intertwined, but it all is based on the results. Did you get the win? How did you perform? Yeah. What's the bottom line? But none of that happens if you don't have the trust. And a lot of people try to jump to the results based before they grow the trust. That's so good. That's yeah, right. That is, that's that is right. So good. What is it, here's an interesting question for you. What is what is something that 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 maybe be, is different that you've seen that people don't understand? I know trust is the one that you gave, but is there anything else like in, in that sense that you've seen with successful companies or cultures that you've been around? It's like, whoa, I don't see that in most places, but this is a almost like a secret sauce to developing great. Is there anything else that you've seen stand out? Yeah. So uh, the other secret sauce honestly is in that storytelling that yeah. we talked about okay, as well. Good. It's that's being that's able good. to share out the the impacts of that um, that culture work that you're doing. And I look at a couple of companies that have done that exceptionally well. And I've in fact tried to model a lot of the work that we've done here is Southwest and Chick-fil-A. Oh. They do a phenomenal job of telling that story to their team members and then telling their team member story to their customers and vice versa. So it really feels like a community of people um, and you're, you're really embedded, you're, you're bought in to that story. And I, and I think that one of the important parts about storytelling today uh, is to make sure that your storytelling is matching the way that people are communicating today as well. So a good example of that would be in the way that companies are now using social media, not just to get connected with their customers, but to get to connected with their team members. HubSpot, I think is a great example of a company that, that, does that does that really well. They have an Instagram page that's dedicated to their culture. Well, in that culture page, their team members are getting to share their stories and their stories are being amplified in a way that I think gives them a lot of pride in the organization that they work for. And I, I believe that pride in a company um, is really important for team members. You know that feeling when you are just recharged, you don't have any sickness, no ailments, you have full optimal energy, you are functioning at your highest level. You want to recreate that? Yeah, sure, you do, I do, we all do. And then you can times it by 10. What I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind. So hold on here. This this is real. Hyperbaric chamber. If you don't know what it is, look it up right now. Look up Eleve Health. E-L-E-V-E health.com. It's an oxygen miracle. What it is, HBOT, the hyperbaric chamber. It's a simple and non-invasive therapy where you go into this. It places a body in a pressurized environment that allows extra oxygen to dissolve in the blood plasma and travel freely throughout your circulatory system, getting more red blood cells flowing naturally to the body's function. It's going to help you kill off any harmful bacteria. It's going to help you detox, increase your oxygen concentration, resist and fight infection, heal wounds faster, improve oxygen supply, reduce swelling, stop infection, lower inflammation, all while you're relaxing in the chamber. I, I, I kid you not, this is what the pros, the top Olympic athletes, what everybody uses for the highest optimization recovery. This is called hyperbaric chamber 
HBOT from Eleve Health, E-L-E-V-E health.com. Message me separately too if you want to get a specific deal on this. Check it out as you're a sports team, if you're an individual, if you're just somebody who loves optimization, it will be an absolute life changer for you. Well, yeah, and I think storytelling just leads to trust. People have stories. It and, right. and I mean, you talk about Chick Fil A, isn't it? That they have to tell everybody my pleasure after they. That's, after right. They That's right. Like it's those little That's detailed right. things. It's like the Ritz Carlton does. Right. Uh, Shake Shack right. does something similar. I think those those little detailed things. They don't have to be crazy astronomical differences, but they're just you know they're staples, and everybody's on board with That's them. That's right. Ah. That's right. That's right. And they've gotten there through the, through the, I mean, it's just amazing art of storytelling. Uh, yeah. They really yeah. do an incredible job of sharing out the way that they are able to change at the human level, their customers' mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And it could be as simple as a milkshake for a customer who needed one, not major acts. It could just be saying my pleasure to somebody who needed to hear it. But the fact that they know how to capture those stories and then elevate them really just gets people bought in to the power of those individual acts. And I think that that's what's created a great customer service culture there. Love it. Love it. All right, Kelly, and I'm going to throw you on the rapid fire. Hot seat. Hit me. me. What has been a mentality for yourself that you attribute to being able to get to the level that you have gotten to? Like, is it grit? Is it determination drive? Is there a mentality that you have really held on to through this journey swimming outside my lane Um, swimming outside my lane yeah i think for me starting off in a very traditional communications role and evolving my work to where it is today is only because i've been willing to jump in and take on projects that had absolutely nothing to do with the job that i was brought on to do and i i believe that that continued hunger to try new things and um, the willingness to put myself out there um, right. and maybe look past fear even is wow. a big part of why I'm, I'm where I'm at today. That's fun. I just wrote a book on literally yeah. the fears that hold ourselves back from taking action yeah. and you're just taking yeah. everything and throwing fears, yep. self-fears, right. self-limitations are debilitators. That's, that's right. Wow, Kelly, that's, that's awesome. That's, Wait, what, that's is, right. what does success look like to you, Kelly? Success for me ultimately is being able to look back on my career and know that I made people's lives better. Mm. And I'm not just talking about their work life. I'm talking about their life. Um, Overall. Especially in the position I'm in today, your companies have such power over the physical, mental, emotional, and financial well-being of their employees. And uh, I think it's the responsibility of corporate leaders to consider that when they're making decisions and uh, I think it's a real pleasure and opportunity for me to know that I might be able to make Absolutely. the people here that much better across all of those different factors. I mean, that's servant leadership right there. You're improving other people's lives. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. But, uh, any yeah. any favorite books or people that you've studied or followed or learning tools that you really attribute to where you're at today? Yeah. Um, I'm such a prisoner of the moment. So I always think about the book I read most recently, um, and I read it. I read Atomic Habits, and I loved it um, because I 
I like this idea of continually focusing on opportunities to improve. In fact, I'm looking at a copy of Atomic Habits right now. But uh, there's a few other books that I've read recently that I really loved. Uh, the Heart of Business mm. uh, was another book that I thought really spoke to me uh, and, and the way that I want to help my leaders think about leading through change. And so those two in particular, I would say, looking back over the past few years, have really inspired me. Um, there's another book and a person that I follow, and her name's Fran Hauser. And she wrote a book called The Myth of the Nice Girl and has uh, um, also written a new book called um, Embracing the Work and Loving Your Career. And the reason that I, I really follow her is because she's spent a lot of time focusing on how she can help women to grow in their careers and really um, evolve as leaders. And as a woman at work, um, I always gravitate towards those that um, can help me, but also I believe can help um, the other women in my circle to, to be the best version of themselves in the workplace. So good. So good. Kelly, and the last one I have for you is just simply, is there something that I'm not asking you that you think is really important? Or is there something that, I mean, is on your heart that you want to share that you think can yeah. help these, everybody listening today? You know, you, you mentioned the word servant leadership, and I, and I do think that that's really important. But there's another type of leadership that I think has been critical to my success, and that's authentic leadership. Mm. Um, I've um, been able to stay true to who I am throughout my journey. And the most important part um, of that type of leadership for me is just how exciting it is to see my authenticity give other people license to also live an authentic life. And we lead by example. When you're in a leadership position, you lead by example. And whether that's through physical cues, behavioral cues, or even outcome-based cues, um, really leaning into your authenticity uh, will only give your organization and all the people in it the opportunity to do the same. And, and I believe that that type of culture is, um, is one that's self-sustaining. Yeah. You know what? It's the comfortability in your own skin gives people permission to be comfortable in their skin and authenticity. Yeah, right. That is literally it. That's right. Um, that's right. Kelly, man, that's right. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on conversations with CEOs and just dropping your knowledge on, I mean, culture, storytelling, trust, authentic leadership. Like I can see why you are where you are today. And I can see why you are, are just so looked up to by so many people as a leader. And like, I want to come work for you. You've inspired me to come work for you. I mean, if you're not the Bills, if you're not the Bills GM, like I'll, even if you are, even though I'm not a, the biggest Bills. I was going to say. Uh, I'll join you wherever you're going, Kelly. Uh, yeah. Based, based on your track record of success with athletes, I think the Bills might be able to use you. So you never know. All right. You never know. You, we're taking over the Bills. We're winning them a Super Bowl. Boom. You heard it. I here. love it. I love it. I love it. I'll be a hero in my family. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kellyanne. Thank you.